0: Great, fantastic. Well, I'm kicking off this first series with a bit of an unlikely hero. Um, First of all, she was a woman. thought I'd pick a woman, obviously. Hooray. Obviously, in a massively patriarchal society, that was quite unusual to have a woman hero in the Old Testament. So she was a woman. She was also an enemy of God's people. She was a Canaanite, and she lived in a very sinful city that worshipped a moon god, and that kind of involved like child sacrifice and quite sexually perverse stuff going on all the time. And also, she was a prostitute. Yet this woman, this hero, had such amazing faith. She wasn't, hadn't been surrounded by God's people. She hadn't been surrounded by God's laws like most of the old, other Old Testament heroes. And yet, she just heard of this God she just heard of Yahweh. She'd heard of Jehovah, of the God of the Israelites. She'd heard rumors of miracles, and she chose to believe. And she put her life on the line with her faith, which is pretty amazing. And as a result of her faith in God, we see God meet her with this abundance of grace, overwhelming generosity, overflowing salvation meets her in this torrent. She has this faith and you can just picture God just going, wow, I love that you have that amazing faith. So I'm just going to pour out all this amazing goodness and grace and meet you with this amazing story of redemption and power. I'm going to pour loads of good things into your life. Amazing. This is Rahab's story. And this is the scarlet thread of faith. So just a bit of background. It's the year 1400 BC. And we're in Jericho, which, you know, like, you know, obviously, that's like 3,500 years ago. Like, do you ever think (laughs) that? Like, this is quite embarrassing. But I actually, like, Google mapped where Jericho was. It's like, oh, cool, it's actually a place. But you kind of, you know, all this stuff you read in the Old Testament and stuff. It's like, no. You, you obviously, like, you've read the stories loads and loads of times. But it's like, oh, yeah, look, there it is. There it is. Next to the Jordan River, just east of, I always have to do north, east, you know what. Well. <laughs> east of Jerusalem, just by the Dead Sea. Amazing. So I'll just show you a few. Can you just whiz through a few more? So this is what it looks like today, the ancient city of Jericho. It's the oldest city in the world. These are some of the ruins, like from thousands and thousands of years ago. They're just there, which is so cool. And that's what it would have looked like at the time of Rahab, just before the Israelites. So the Israelites are camping in the desert, um, just slightly away from it. And they've, they're about to um, go into The promised land basically so this is for the second time so they've been living in the they've been living in the desert for 40 years because the first time around um moses sent and joshua sent some spies into the land but the spies came back saying oh no everyone's like giants they're enormous we're never going to take it so they basically like bottled it so they had their chance to fulfill the promise of god of living in this promised land but they basically had fear instead of faith so their fear meant that they circled around the desert for another 40 years until everyone in that generation had died. And then they get a second chance. So God's like, right, you were fearful last time. I want you to be full of faith this time. So what are you going to do now? So they do the same thing again. It's like deja vu. It's like, right, okay, we're on the brink again. We're going to send another two. Joshua going to send another two spies in this time to have a look, to do a bit of a reconnaissance trip. Because obviously this is a military operation, They wanted to get a bit of recon, they wanted to kind of find out what the feeling was in the city. They wanted to check out the walls, which apparently are like five metres high, two metres wide. It's a fortified military city, and they want to go and check that out and just get some info. So let's take up the story in Joshua 2. This is quite a long Bible verse, so (laughs) it's the whole chapter we're going to read. So... Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. They went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, so immediately, they're pretty good. If you can imagine this, okay, boys, you know, this is more like a, you know, James Bond stroke film. So they've obviously got, they know that there's a threat of the Israelites happening. And so they're on the lookout for spies and somebody's obviously spotted them coming through the city gates and thinks they don't look they don't look like us so immediately the king of jericho was told look some of the israelites have come here have come tonight to spy out the land so the king of jericho sent this message to rahab bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land but the woman had taken the two men and hidden them she said yeah the men did come to me but I didn't, I didn't know where they'd come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly, you might catch up with them. So she properly blags it. <laughs> but really, she'd taken them up onto the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax that she'd laid out on the roof. So the men in the army set out on pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursu- pursuers had gone, the, the gate was shut. Before the spies laid down for the night, she went up to the roof and said to them, I know I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what he, you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan whom you completely destroyed. When we heard it, Our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and of the earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father, my mother, my brothers and my sisters and all who belong to them and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window, for the house that she lived in was part of the city wall. She said to them, go to the hills so that the pursuers will not find you. <clears throat> Hide yourselves there for three days until they return, then go on your way. Now the men had said to her, this oath you made us swear will not be binding on us, unless when we enter the land you have tied this cord, scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you have brought your father, mother, brothers and all your family into your house, if any of them go outside your house into the street, their blood will be on their own heads. We will not be responsible. As those who are in the house with you, their blood will be on our heads if a hand is laid on them. But if you tell what we are doing, we will be released from the oath you made us swear. Agreed, she replied. Let it be as you say. So she sent them away and they departed. And she tied the scarlet cord in the window. When they left, they went into the hills and stayed there for three days until the pursuers had searched all along the road and returned without finding them. Then the two man's men started back. They went down to the hills, forded the river and came to Joshua son of Nun and told him everything that had happened. They said to Joshua, the Lord has surely given us the whole land. All our people are melting in fear because of us. So after that, basically the story continues. that. All the people are consecrated and then after three days they set off to cross the Jordan. So the Jordan at that time was in full flood and kind of impossible to cross. But they basically, the way they came into the Jordan was God parting the Red Sea and they walked across on dry land. And the way they went out of the Jordan, out of the desert, across the Jordan was the same thing. God basically did another miracle, stopped the river. And as soon as the toes of the people, that were the priests that were carrying the Ark of Covenant touched the water the river was stopped and the whole men crossed on dry land, which is pretty cool. Um, so then then what they did, which is a really famous story, isn't it? They basically, instead of just like attacking the city, they marched around the city for six days in silence. And then on the seventh day, they marched around. And at the end, the trumpeters blew their trumpets. And basically, all the walls came tumbling down, which is kind of amazing. <clears throat> and actually, there are, so I did a bit of research into this, but their archaeological records also are consistent with that. So they've done loads of excavations of Jericho. And basically, yeah, there was an earthquake in 14 BC, 1400 BC and a, a fire, which is what happened, <laughs> which is quite amazing, isn't it? But why did the Israelites choose to kind of march around the city six times and then blow the trumpets on the Senate? It's a bit weird, isn't it? like obviously that's God told them to do that but there's kind of interesting the backstory of that so basically at the time um, Jericho was actually named after this moon god so it was called Yerak which in Hebrew Jericho is a translation of that word so it's based this city was dedicated to worship of this moon god yerach which was na- later named Baal which you've probably heard a bit more about And basically, there was um, a legend of the time called the legend of Keret, where basically this Yarek, this God, basically instructs in this legend, instructs his people to go out and march in silence. And then on the seventh day, make a massive noise. So basically, God was kind of saying, actually, this, I am the true God, your God isn't powerful I am powerful I am the true God and actually when I do stuff earthquakes happen you know what I'm saying (laughs) my God's true God so this is what happened from Joshua on the seventh day they got up at daybreak marched around the city seven times in the same manner except that on the day they circled the city seven hold on what except on that day they circled the city seven times Ah, okay. The seventh time around the priest sounded the trumpet blast. Joshua commanded the army, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The city and all that are in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall be spared, because she hid the spies we sent. Don't you think it's kind of amazing? Like have you ever been in a really important meeting, you know, where everyone's saying stuff that's like really important, right? and so can you imagine Joshua so he's got like hundreds of thousands of people so they've just done this circling they've just done these trumpets and in that moment of high drama like he's he's talking to hundreds of thousands of soldiers and he says right now go into the city for everything is it is yours Except remember the prostitute rehab. You know, amazing, like half of his speech is dedicated to one about rescuing her. He singles her out for protection, which is awesome, isn't it? And he gives specific instructions for her care that she's not and in the vastness of war in the amazing emotions, you know, like I don't know what it's like to go into war, but you know, the probably the last thing you're thinking about is, "Oh yeah, do you remember that lady, you know, we did that promise that sort of thing." But yeah, He gives specific instructions to make sure that Rahab, this woman, is not forgotten and that she's saved. Amazing. Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, Go into the prostitute's house and bring her out and all who belonged to her in accordance with your oath to her. So the young men who had done the spying went in and brought out Rahab, her father and her mother, her brothers and her sisters and all who belonged to her. They brought out her entire family and put them in a place outside the camp of Israel. Because of her faith, God shows Rahab such an amazing grace to single her out and rescue her, to, that she wasn't forgotten. How amazing. And, you know, obviously the walls have come tumbling down. Rahab lives in the wall. So you can just kind of imagine like this one solitary house that's kind of left standing in the middle of this sort of earthquake and because of her faith, God meets her with that rushing overflow of grace and mercy. And we see in her story how much God blesses her like hugely, massively. It's a massive, outrageous grace of what God shows her. So not only does he save her life, he saves all his fam- her family's life. She's accepted, she's forgiven, she's welcomed in to be part of God and his family. You know, she then got to live with Israel and become that. She then married so this is a bit like you know since what happened yesterday (laughs) well but she actually married into the royal family essentially of the israelites um salman who was actually one of the spies but it's historians believe that well she married salman and the historians believe that he was one of the spies so it's quite romantic like, don't you think? Like, he sort of rescued her. She rescued him. Then they fall in love. And it's all amazing. But he was like a prince in the house of Judah. And, yeah. And so, basically, they got married. And her great-grandchild was King David. So, she was part, became part of the royal family. She, her ans- she was an ancestor. Out of her children's children came King David, came King Solomon. And then, 14 generations later, came the king of all kings, Jesus, amazing. Salmon, Matthew one five. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. And that, and it goes on and on. Fourteen generations later, Jesus, the King of Kings. How amazing! I mean, it's pretty amazing, wasn't it? Yesterday to see like a just a normal person, like we were saying, like watching the wedding. Like I bet her mum. Like, seriously, can you ever imagine when she gave, had Meghan, like, the last thing she was probably ever expecting was to end up, you know, married into the royal family. Like, it's men- mental, isn't it? But this is, like, one massively step further. Like, this woman was, you know, not only a foreigner, not only completely rejected, outcast, she was a prostitute, she was unclean. You know, all of this just amazing grace. And she ends up with this amazing legacy. What an amazing legacy, What an amazing grace to be part of that. She was also highlighted as a virtuous woman. So Proverbs 31 tells us all about this amazing woman. And actually, it could well be that when Solomon wrote this, that he had her in mind. I'll just read a few verses. Who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She is more precious than rubies. She finds wool and flax and busily spins it. She makes belted linen garments and sashes to sell to the merchants. You know, Rahab dealt in flax and linen. Do you remember, like, that's where she hid the spies, underneath the flax? She extends a helping hand to the poor and opens her arms to the needy. She obviously opened, you know, the spies were in need of shelter, running for their lives. She has no fear of winter for her household, for everyone has scarlet clothes. She made the scarlet fabric. That was what she let the start, the... Um, spies down from. Her husband is well known at the city gates where he sits with other civic leaders and obviously her husband was a leader in the tribe of Judah. She's also remembered in the Hall of Heroes in um, Hebrews 11. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith the people in the days of old earned a good reputation. It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with her people in the city who refused to obey God. For she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Yeah. How amazing. What a turnaround. The God of grace. Awesome. So what does this mean for us? Well, the first thing this massively means for us is that nobody is too far away from God's saving grace. God can forgive anything. He can restore any story. He can redeem anything that we've been through. And that when we show that small seed of faith, when we make those decisions of faith, those actions of faith, God rushes in and overflows us with his grace and his mercy. And for people that were listening to Rahama's word there, if you're thinking, I don't know how to connect with God, it just takes a step of faith, and God will rush in and connect with you. It says, doesn't it, no matter how worthless we feel, God says, you are so valuable and wants to honor you. Just think about Rahab. She would have felt pretty worthless. And yet God singles her out for honor. In his battle plans, he makes special provision for this woman. How amazing. And no matter how dirty you feel, God can wash it all away. In Isaiah 1, 18, it says, Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wood. Wood? Wool. Wood's brown. (laughs) So no matter how unacceptable an outsider you feel. God says you belong to him. You've got a place in his heart. You've got a place in his community. You've got a place among his, his people and in his family. Rahab's story also shows that when we demonstrate faith, how pleased God is with that. In Hebrews 11:6, it says it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists. And he will reward those who see, sincerely seek him. And how clearly do we see that in Rahab's story? And in our stories, anyone who wants to come to him, anyone that wants to come to God, all he asks must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So what can we, how can we have faith more like Rahab's? Let's just take a bit of a closer look. her story and what she actually did so Rahab believed by faith she declared her faith then she acted on her faith both with risk-taking faith and also with daily faith so she believed by faith so um so basically obviously as a prostitute scholars think there's probably two types of prostitutes in those days one type of which owned inns and bars and also provided, obviously, more intimate services, (laughs) which might have explained a bit better why the spies went to stay there, because it strikes you as slightly odd. (laughs) It's like, oh, of all the places I could go, I know I'm going to go to a prostitute's house. So, yeah, so so she would have been kind of really well-informed. She lived in the city wall, quite near the city gate. Travellers would have been coming and going, in her house a lot she would have known a lot about the outside what was going on in the outside world they would have told her that she would have heard these rumors about how god had parted the sea for the israelites to pass through a million people passing through a sea that's pretty newsworthy so she would have heard of that and then she would have also heard about how you know um the israelites had defeated these other kings <clears throat> that's what she says doesn't she in her declaration but basically, for everybody else in Jericho, these two miracles basically struck fear into their hearts, didn't they? We're melting in fear because of, because of you. But she had a completely different reaction. So you can have a reaction to that, can't you? Either fear or faith. And you can choose which you have. And the difference that you have makes a massive, makes a massive difference what decision you make. She chose, to have a, she chose to have faith instead of fear. She concluded... That actually, if the God that parted the seas is on their side, we don't stand a chance. And actually, if the sea obeyed God, this God, then the walls of Jericho don't stand a chance. We're not, you know, God is going to come in. So I'm going to seriously side with these guys because I believe that their God is real. Because she kind of took what she knew about God, believed it then projected what she knew onto the, the actual event that she's got in front of her, which is obviously these people come in. So, um, and that's kind of what we need to do, isn't it, too? We need to remember what God's done in our lives, look at our current circumstances, project what he's done onto that current circumstances and believe that he can do the same thing again. And she then declared her faith so she said, I know that the Lord has given you this land. And we won't read it all again because we've just read it. But then right at the end, she says, for the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. She declared her faith. And she didn't have much time to make that decision, did she? So that I guess the spies came to her. Then the message was sent quite quickly. And she had to make a, a decision. Do I have faith in this God or do I go with my countrymen? And obviously making that declaration, making that decision put her life on the line. You know, if anyone had found out that she'd been harboring these spies, totally would have died, obviously. Obviously she would. So for us, we need to remember what God's done in the past for, our, for us and for our friends. It's good to journal that, isn't it? To remember and record what God's done. God's always telling us to remember, to tell our children, to record stuff, um, to remind ourselves that God has power to change our circumstances. That will beef up our faith And then project, what, remember what he's done and project that onto what we're currently looking at. And then to declare our faith in the current circumstances that we've got. So we were talking about mountains earlier, weren't we? So what mountains have you got? What are you praying for? What do you need to have faith for? What is it? Is it to do with your kids? Is it to do with your money? Is it to do with your health? Is it to do with a job? That's what you need to do. You need to remind yourself of what God's done in the past look around you what has he done for friends what's he done for you what's he done in the bible and project that onto what you're currently looking at what's your current thing that you need to have faith for and then make a declaration of faith i believe god that you are going to come through for me in this instance and write it down the amount of stuff we forget is ridiculous isn't it like i look back in my journal it's like oh yeah i did that and then he answered that but you know you can all forget that you've prayed stuff and then you forget that he's answered and then that doesn't build your faith so, you need to build your faith. So, for example, just um, so um, God did this like, massive miracle with my brother and sister in law. They were trying for a baby for like seven years, and it was all very, very emotional, obviously, um, tra- quite traumatic, and the grief was quite near the surface for a really long time. Um, but they kept on praying, and then they adopted this amazing little girl, which was awesome. And they had a word that God had said to her that six months and nine days. And then the day they got Nell, she was six months and nine days old. So it was an amazing miracle. And she would basically had um, appendicitis when she was like 14, Joe, um, which basically like exploded everything out of the way. So she physically couldn't have kids. But then two years later, they were looking into adopting another boy, but she got pregnant ridiculous like full actually a full miracle so when she had um, a c-section and when the doctor was like surgeon was you know taking the baby out she's like oh is this um IVF yeah and they were like no it's like what that's physically impossible you know your ovaries are all splattered all over the place you know so a full miracle that God can do those sort of miracles amazing come on God God. yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) so So yeah, and so then, so I was prayed, I checked with Nicola, she didn't mind, but I knew that Nicola and Duncan wanted to have another baby, so I wrote it down in my prayer diary of the things I'd like to see happen that year, and one of them was for Nicola to get pregnant, and then she did, yay, but obviously, so that's kind of builds your faith, doesn't it, remembering what God's done in the past for you, for your friends, for your family, so that when you have got something in front of you that you need to have faith for, you've reminded yourself about that faith and projecting it onto what's happening now. Thanks thanks johnny that's right amen and john is really good at that as well so he records and writes and makes events in his diary and his journal and stuff like that so but i really encourage you to do that because you look back at it don't you when you're in that situation again it's like oh yeah god has done that and he has done that for somebody else and he will do that again and you can stand in faith it, and you mean make a declaration a written declaration And it doesn't even have to be stuff that's wrong. You know, So you don't have to have something wrong in your life. You don't have to be unhealthy. You don't have to have a rubbish job. You don't have to, all of that stuff. You can think about the positive things as well. So for Food Bank, my sort of declaration over Food Bank is that it would be a place where God's power is, where we can pray for people. We can see the presence of God, where we'd see miracles happening. So that's a declaration of faith. That isn't about a negative thing, it's about a positive thing. So whatever so you should have at any given time, you should be in faith for something. If you haven't got a mountain that you've written about, you should have something else that's positive that you're believing for. What are those things in your life? Have you got a couple? Are you working on a few things? Are you praying for some stuff? Because you need to be. Otherwise we're not a people of faith, are we? We're just a people of wandering around having a nice God. Laughter Great quote of the day. (laughs) And also, these risks. So faith always involves a risk, doesn't it? There's always a risk attached to every element of faith. It's either a big, massive risk, like Rahab putting her life on the line for it, or it can be like little, small, social risks. But there is risk associated with every element of faith that you have. So... Yeah, Rahab took that massive risk-taking faith and she put a life on the line. And the stakes can be sometimes huge. But other times, it's just daily faith. So Rahab had made that decision, that declaration of faith. But then she had another. So she took that action, which was awesome. So I don't know where we are. Yeah, that one. I won't read that because if you go to the next one. So with her daily faith, she actually had to pull out that scarlet thread of, that cord down out of her window so the Israelites knew which house was hers but that was an action based on her previous declaration and her other action a big action her big risk-taking action she had to make a daily step of faith every day to hang out that scarlet thread so every morning she would put that scarlet thread out of her window as another act of faith and it's a smaller step of faith as a daily faith that she had to do because she had said, so, but in that moment, we can just read that and glance over that. But actually, just have a think about the doubts and the concerns and the worries that might have been going through her mind. And don't you think sometimes the bigger steps of faith we can make are easier to take because we're kind of in God's plan and um, and we kind of got God's bigger picture and stuff. So like for us, when we moved up 19 years ago to, uh, to be with John, um, helping start Cap and stuff, like actually that felt quite exciting, even though it's like a massive, big, faith step but those bigger things can feel quite exciting and just like oh yeah I totally want to do this because you're in God's zone but then it's more like the daily little things that can kind of be more grinding you know and you've got more worries and stuff like that so the fact that we didn't have money to pay salaries for 13 years just starts to get a bit <laughs> and you have but daily you have to put out your faith that's attached to no God wants us to do this this is the right thing to do we're going to have to keep having faith for that so that there's always daily faith attached to that bigger faith so she I mean, for her you know she would have had things like well what happens if the spies didn't even make it home you know so she's got this promise and this faith but she doesn't actually know that it's gonna happen does she you know they could have got killed she's she's just sent them on their way the soldiers easily could have killed them she doesn't know they're coming back she doesn't know that the promise is going to be met and her life's going to be saved but she keeps on putting out this cord of faith every day what happens if she didn't if the spies didn't even keep their word Like, as a prostitute, she's not going to exactly have come across many honourable men. She's not going to have known many men that would keep their promises. Is she? What if the Israelites couldn't even get past those walls of the highly fortified city? She didn't know that God was going to send an earthquake. You know, they're five metres tall. You know, the whole world trusted in these walls for protection and safety, and yet she kind of believed that God would somehow overcome that somehow. Not quite sure how, but... But what if that didn't happen? What if the soldiers didn't actually know that not to attack her house? There's probably like you know hundreds of thousands of soldiers. What's every single one of them is going to know not to attack the house with the red cord coming out? What if her house collapsed? You know, she's in the middle of this flipping earthquake. I mean, how scary is that, right? She's living in the walls of the city. The walls are collapsing. It's an earthquake. And her and her family are still committedly staying inside the house because they need to keep their promise. You know... These daily things of faith that she went through are actually really important, and they can seem small, but they are really important to keeping your faith. You know, she used her daily faith to stand against those what-ifs, and those small things. Risks of faith, because you know, Matt was saying, well, you don't really have to have risks every day. And, and I was like, well, I think, you know, you, there are usually like small social risks associated with your faith, aren't they? So for example, so James, I don't know if he's here today, James Dennison. So um, we were praying that he'd get a job interview at this company where we're doing a presentation that's a logistics company. Um, so basically, it just kind of we thought, yeah, we're going to we have faith for that, faith that he's going to have an interview. But then you have to take like a small social risk which was basically me saying to this guy, okay, how are we going to get James a job here then? (laughs) Which, you know, like, I don't care, whatever. But, you know, it is a bit of a risk. Obviously, you're putting your neck out on the line. It's a small risk, but it's a small social risk, isn't it? And that's the same for us, isn't it? And so then um he did get a job interview. They organized it for the next day, and it was amazing. And this guy was like, oh, wow. And they were all buzzing as well, which was really nice. So they were like, oh, how amazing is that? Is that karma or what? I'm like, no, it's God. We prayed for that this morning. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because it's it's small social risks. Yeah, and so then, as I said earlier, my big faith thing for food bankers it would be a place of power and god be moving and stuff like that but then daily you have to have it so on friday we had eight volunteers from lloyd's tsb come in and um you know to volunteer to um collect food in tesco and just be around the the food bank and so we as a food bank we have a prayer time and we have a bit of a devotional and i had this thing of like oh shall i not do that because obviously like they're all there orcs you know <laughs> isn't it and i kind of thought oh sod it and i'm flipping doing it <laughs> So, you know, you know, because we have loads of people that aren't Christian, which is part of what I love about Food Bank. We have lots of volunteers that aren't Christians that come, but we always pray and we always do a bit of a devotional. And so, yeah, so I just sort of did one of my, like a nice Bible verse, (laughs) my favorite Bible verse, and did it and prayed for it. And it was amazing and so good. And then this other lady that, because we pray for our clients, like we offer to pray, not all the time, but we're sensitive. But this one lady, she'd been homeless. She's living over there in German court. She just literally got in there last week. She hasn't had benefits. She hasn't had any money for eight months or something ridiculous. She's really depressed. Her mum had died about three months ago. And about four years ago, her child had died as well. People go through so much crap. Um, And she's obviously very depressed about it. And I just thought, okay, she totally needs some prayer. But I've got this woman literally listening in. And you know when somebody's not particularly sympathetic either? You know you can pick up that they're a bit like... um, So I was just like, okay... She doesn't need to pray, so I am just going to pray for her. Do you know? But it's a small social risk, isn't it, of what people think to to have that faith that's attached to your big one. Right, I feel like I've talked too much now. Right. So in summary, what are you believing for? And I want you to go home, promise, that you'll write down some declarations of faith of things that are your mountains that you're believing for, okay? And then every day you need to have that daily you need to hang out your scarlet cord of faith every day attach it to your window like Rahab did in the morning she woke up she attached it to her window and it's like doing that every day waking up praying attaching your faith to your big picture faith in what God has done think about the things that God's already done What has he already done in your life? What's he already done for your friends and family? What's already done in the Bible? Project that onto what you're currently looking at. And then declare that. Write that down. And then be prepared to take small social risks for your faith. So I hope the story of Rahab has talked to you, a woman of amazing faith that lived 3,400 years ago, but with the same God that we serve, the same God that loves you intimately, that's prepared to put a massive rescue mission in place just for you, to single you out with honor. How amazing. And when we show those small elements of faith, God rushes in with salvation, with grace, and with blessing. Amen. Thank you.